St. John's is one of the legendary names in all of college basketball. Has it fallen on tough times? Yes, it has. But now we're ready to, to fall on great times. We're ready to raise it up, raise this roof up, because St. John's is going to be back, I guarantee it. Everybody is off the floor, but had no time left. One free throw will win it, and stunned it. The senior wins it. You are now listening to the Eye of the Storm Podcast. What's going on, Johnny Nation? Welcome to episode 69 of the Eye of the Storm Podcast. My name is David Barov, and this episode is the start of a very special series. I'll be bringing you all season. We're calling it CoachCast, a little play on the whole podcast thing. As you can see, very creative on these here parts St. John's assistant coach Bob Walsh is with us on a bi-weekly basis to give us an inside look on what's going on with the team, reviewing performances, looking ahead. Welcome to the podcast. I'm super excited. Coach Bob Walsh. Thanks, Dave. It's a pleasure to be with you. Bob, coming to St. John's has been a return to the Big East for a lot of the coaching staff. Rick Patino, Talik Brown, yourself. You spent 98 to 2005 as an assistant with Providence and Major Way Back in 19 and 22 as the associate director of player development scouting and recruiting coordination with ed cooley watching the friars rise as well you're an assistant coach at san diego a head coach at rhode island college where you had great success and then head coach of the main black bears from 2014 to 2018 last year you're the assistant coach with iona your second stint with the gales so I'm curious, how did you make your way back to Iona and onto Rick Patino's staff last year, which ultimately led you here in Queens? Well, the connection is actually through his son. When I was an assistant coach at Providence College in 1998, from 98 to 05, uh, his son was a student assistant for us uh, for a couple of those years, like 2002, 2003. So uh, he and his son are... are his son and I have been, you know, pretty close throughout just sort of the coaching ranks, stayed in touch uh, as both of us went on to become head coaches, help each other out, connect with each other. And uh, so that's really the connection. I had met Coach Patino before, uh, but it was his son who connected with me with him this time. He had an opening on his staff, was looking for more of a veteran coaching presence, and uh, we connected. Uh, I also and very well connected at Iona. Both of my parents went there. I went to grad school there. I grew up literally five minutes from the campus. So having a chance to work for Coach Patino and getting a chance uh, to go back home uh, to Iona was really a no-brainer for me uh, when the opportunity came up last fall. In January, the NCAA ruled to allow college basketball teams to now have five assistant coaches. With so many moving parts to run a successful D1 program, what have been some of your responsibilities here early on at St. John's? Well, it's really to be an assistant coach, to help the program however you can. It's player development, uh, it's scouting, it's uh, recruiting with visits on campus uh, and contacts in the portal and stuff like that. Um, you know, following up on academics, program improvement, uh, any aspect of the program, uh, you know, that where we can help, we help. We're lucky we have a, a, an experienced staff, a fun staff, a staff that gets along really well, which I think is important. So 
everybody plays a role, uh, you know, and it's it's really whatever it takes to get the job done. Uh, it's great that the NCA has allowed more people to get involved instead of restricting, you know, a lot of the younger coaches from being able to coach or being able to do workouts or stuff like that. Uh, it gives everybody an opportunity to contribute. You've had your hand in some of the scheduling. I know uh, Rick Pitino has thrown out a bunch of names this offseason uh, in regards to the schedule of what's going to be ahead. The Bahamar Hoops Classic is going to be fantastic with Tennessee and Baylor in the fold. They're a fourth team waiting to be finalized. But Rick's been pretty open about wanting to play possibly Alabama to open the season in a home and home next year. And then we've heard Duke in Arthur Ashe is something that he wants to get done and he's talked about. But you know, what are the chances of these kinds of games actually coming to fruition? And how do you balance a tough non-conference schedule with the challenges that the Big East will undoubtedly present in conference play? There are always a lot of moving parts with the schedule, and Coach does want to play a great schedule. Uh, you know, I laughed over the summer every time he saw, you know, a coaching friend of his on the road recruiting or spoke to somebody, uh, there'd be a new team he'd come back with and say, oh, yeah, you know, call this guy. I think we want to play them. So, um you know, but the Big East is really, really strong, right? It's maybe the strongest uh, conference metric-wise in the country. So when you're playing 20 Big East games, right, that's 20 high major games. You throw in an MTE, which, is, you know, this year in Charleston, it'll be, you know, three more mid-major plus or high major games. Uh, you know, we've had the Big Ten and the Big 12 challenge, right? So this year we're playing Michigan. We're playing at West Virginia. So you're looking at 25, 26 of your 31 games being high major games. Um, so you do have to balance that. You've got to balance that with, uh, you know, some home games, some buy games uh, where you can get your feet wet, where you can, you know, get experience for some younger players. So uh, it is a puzzle uh, that is constantly moving and, and new parts are coming in and you've got to put it all together. Uh, I would say, for sure, we're going to play a very challenging schedule. There's always going to be a couple of big games in the garden in the non-conference. Um, you know, the Arthur Ashe situation has been mentioned. Uh, none of that is finalized, but uh, those are opportunities. And we're lucky being St. John's of the history of the program, New York, Coach Patino, Madison Square Garden, we will always have a lot of great opportunities. Uh, so, my job is to kind of balance those opportunities, put, you know, and it's not just who we play, then it's when we play them, right? We don't want to, you know, play, you know, come right out of the gate and play four top 20 teams in the first two weeks with a new team. So um, it's, a, it's a challenging balance for sure, but I think St. John's fans will, will see a lot of great games on our non-conference schedule moving forward. Yeah, I think that's something interesting that fans should – realize that the roster turnover and you know the amount of guys that are potentially being uh, moving on after this season uh, is going to create a very different dynamic we have a very experienced and older team this year next year you're going to have uh, potentially a younger you know it's going to skew a little younger because you are losing about six guys that are at least seniors um, next year so definitely something for the fans to uh, to remember Bob it was it was a great game one for St. John's as they took care of business on November 7th over Stony Brook Danis Jenkins, Jordan Dingle, Chris Ledlam, and Joel Soriano led the way with their experience and their versatile scoring. What were some of your biggest takeaways from that first win of the season? We came out and we were connected defensively, which I think is really important. Uh, we spend a lot of time on scouting our opponents. Our guys uh, you know, know what they're going to do inside and out, hopefully. But 
with a new season and, and a new team. And, you know, Stony Brook really only returned three guys that had played a lot from the year before. So you never know what to expect. And I thought our guys were connected defensively to start the game. Uh, our defense dictated uh, sort of the tempo and the pace of the game. Uh, and we were able to make shots. So you combine the fact that our defense was connected and we took the three-point shot away from them, which we thought was going to be a dangerous weapon. They were a team that shot a ton of threes last year and didn't shoot a great percentage. And you could tell if they're going to keep shooting them, you know, even though they go throughout the entire year and they had a lot of injuries last year without shooting a great percentage, uh, they're committed to playing that way. And they had personnel this year, guys coming back from injuries and transfers that could really shoot it. So to take the three away and then I think our defensive energy turned into good offense. The ball uh, had energy. It moved. We shared it. Uh, you know, we had a high. I think we had, you know, 21 plus assists in the game, which is uh, means the ball is really moving. Uh, and we made shots and things look a lot better when you make shots. So uh, overall, uh, it was a good win against what I think is going to be a good team. It was a good first start. You never know how your guys are going to respond the first time they play together uh, in a real game. And uh, but we've got some things we got to clean up too. you know, we turned the ball over a little bit too much. I thought our defense kind of settled in the second half a little bit and wasn't dictating as much. So there's certainly plenty to take away that we can improve on as well. The defense, I thought was great. Rick Pitino stressed the importance that you guys wanted to take away. The three point shot held Stony Brook to just four made threes. Uh, they took 16, so that was definitely a plus. Uh, in regards to the turnovers, uh, some of the fans did notice. Uh, in regards to Danis Jenkins, Danis was the first guy that came over for, well, with Coach Patino, and you have seen his leadership and his familiarity in this system and stress how important he is as the leader on the floor. I thought Danis was tremendous in game one, 17 points, seven rebounds, eight assists, but he did have those six turnovers. And so fans are kind of, you know, wondering what's going on, but you know, how do you assess Danis's impact on the floor in practice and in games? And would you attribute those turnovers to just the time it's going to take for everybody to get comfortable? And, you know, Danis knows the system. He kind of knows where he, where guys need to be. And then the other guys are kind of still, finding their way well is that fair to say that you know it's just a you know a gelling period dj was the most important guy on our team last year at iona because he was the guy that sort of brought everything together we had we had a lot of talent uh, but he understood what coach was trying to get from our team he he could translate certain things and say you know make it simple for the players on the court he's got an incredible amount of composure uh, for a high level player uh, he can play at a great pace without ever seeing uh, being, you know, out of control. The turnovers are surprising, to be quite honest. You know, he didn't really have big turnover games last year. And I don't know that I would put it on gelling or, you know, timing or a new group. I think DJ's just got to do a better job of taking care of the ball. You know, um, you know, he made some mistakes. Maybe a little bit where like he expects a guy to stay in the corner and he's throwing that, you know, hook pass to the corner and that guy's sliding right. up. You see that a little bit. But so there is a comfort level for sure. But these guys have been playing together uh, for a while now. Right. So they know each other pretty well. They're teammates. Um, they're connected on what we're trying to do on offense. Um, you know, I think DJ's just got to do a little bit better job of, of taking care of the basketball uh, and keeping plays simple. Uh, and the other guys have to, you know, have an understanding of our spacing and what we're expecting out of each play. I think, you know, DJ knows a little bit more of what we're expecting 
when we're running certain sets because he's been doing it uh, and he's been the quarterback for for over a year now. And some of the other guys are still getting used to that. After Stony Brook, Coach Patino spoke about you personally, saying he thought you did a fabulous job teaching the team the principles of Stony Brook's offense and followed that by saying, quote, I don't think I lost a game at Iona that Bob scouted. He has a great way of teaching the players what they do and where their shots are going to occur. Bob, what goes into scouting an opponent for you and how do you then effectively teach your team the opponent's principles, as Rick mentioned? Well, I appreciate that. That was very nice of him to say. We have a a staff that's committed uh, to knowing everything we need to know about our opponents. So we actually break it up. Uh, You know, for Stony Brook, I had the offense uh, and the personnel. Um, You know, one of the other assistants will have, you know, the defense. And one of the other assistants will have special teams, which is, you know, baseline out of bounds, sideline out of bounds, and and press attacks. So, uh, and we have a couple of GAs, um, you know, Brandon Irving, our video coordinator, they – set up the video sort of ahead of time. They give us the the cheat sheet, if you will. Um, you know, and obviously early in the year, you're basing it off of last year's stuff. So we had plenty of time to go over it. Uh, and so it really is a collaborative effort. Uh, our players are committed to understanding what the other team is trying to do. It's not always just what you see on film. You've got to know personnel. You've got to understand what they're trying to get out of a certain play because, you know, as you know, you'll be looking to run a certain play and then somebody will break it off and just make a one-on-one play or take advantage of their strengths because they see an opportunity. So uh, I think the key is finding that balance, right, between this is what they're trying to do. This, You know, like we know Stony Brook wanted to spread the floor and they're going to shoot a lot of threes, right? That's what they're looking to do, all right? So where are their threes coming from? You know, are they coming off of ball screens where teams help? Are they coming off of, you know, stagger screens for their shooters where they're coming off and, and quick releasing it? Uh, a lot of it with Stony Brook was being created by their point guard, you know, and a lot of it was was early offense with ball screens. So, you know, we tell our guys, look, here are the here are the main shooters. There were a couple of drillers, as we call them, that that have to you have to take the attempt away. Uh, but then it's also, all right, where's this coming from? If our ball screen defense isn't very good, and we have to rotate uh, to take away the big because we were late on a coverage, well, now the shooter is lifting up. And the throwback is open and that's where he's getting the three. Right. So it's not necessarily we just lost the shooter. It's we didn't handle our ball screen coverage the right way. So understanding where they get those shots from uh, is, is really important. And, you know, that balance of what it is they're trying to do as a team versus the individual talents of the players. And our guys did a, a great job of understanding who Stony Brook was and, and what we were trying to do to stop them. Monday night. All eyes will be on Madison Square Garden as Michigan comes to town. They just dismantled Youngstown State and showcased a lot of playmakers on their roster. What's this week like been getting ready for the Michigan Wolverines and what they're going to be bringing to the Garden at 630 on Monday? It's been exciting for everybody, for sure. I mean, we understand, uh, you know, the energy around the program from our fans and from New York and the first game for Coach Patino back in the Garden and a huge opponent in Michigan, team that's very good, national TV, all of it. So uh, there is a hop in the step of everybody around the program. Uh, it's been busy as well because we're about to play, you know, four games in seven days uh, if you include Charleston. So 
But the focus has been good. Uh, Michigan is a really good team that shoots the three very well. So we're going to have to take that away. Uh, they're also big. They have a lot of depth in the front court. They're big in the front court and they have depth. They have a couple of guys in, in Jackson and Cheddar that come off the bench uh, that are really good players. So um, we're going to have to make sure we defend without fouling. Uh, we're going to have to be uh, really tight with our coverages with regards to ball screens and, and you know, where the help is going to come from if we need the help and recovering to our men. And uh, we're going to have to do a terrific job on the backboards. You know, we're going to have to be physical uh, and find a way to win the battle. Uh, it's a game where, you know, our guards and wings are going to have to rebound the ball. You know, we need Danis to get another six or seven rebounds. You know, we need Glenn Taylor, Jordan Dingle, um, you know, th those guys to get in there and get five or six rebounds because our big guys are going to be locked in a physical war uh, and they're not always going to be able to get their hands on the basketball. But uh, the energy in New York is is palpable. It really is. So uh, I know our guys are excited to get to the garden uh, and compete against a high level team and show what we can do. Michigan has started the season two and oh, and as you mentioned, some of the guys on their roster, but everything starts for Michigan with Olivier Kamwa. Averaging 21 points per game, eight and a half rebounds. He's shooting 40% from three. How does St. John's plan to take away Olivier Kama, who is making his presence felt and is becoming a name that people need to know around the country? It's going to be a team effort for sure. And I would say it also starts with, with McDaniel at the point and what he's able to create. Uh, and he's able to get easy shots for his teammates as well. Uh, but Olivier is a load. He's an inside-out threat. He's very physical. Uh, he's an offensive rebounder. Uh, it, it's going to take our big guys, you know, getting their work done early, uh, as we say. Uh, you, you know, you can't let him get position and then try and work your way around him or force him out. It's just it's just not going to work. Uh, if he gets an edge on you position-wise, he is going to seal you and get a bucket. You know, it's plain and simple. So, um, and it's also going to, you know, we're going to need deflections from our guards. You know, we chart deflections every day in practice. We chart them in every game. You know, we're trying to get 35 plus deflections as a team in a game. Uh, there are times where he's going to have great position. And if our ball pressure is terrific and we can get a deflection or at least obscure the vision of the guard or whoever's trying to throw it inside, that'll buy us a half a second uh, to give the bigs a chance to, you know, to get back in position. Uh, and, and look, you got to win the physical battle, you know, guys like Joel and Chris Ledlum and Zuby and Dresa, like it's going to be a physical battle. And, um, you know, you got to stand up to them. You got to make it hard for them. You got to keep them off the glass. And hopefully it's it's a team effort uh, that gets them a little bit frustrated and gives us a, a chance to come out with a win. I think everybody's going to be looking forward to seeing Chris Ledlum and Joel Soriano going up against Olivier Kamwa for sure. You just mentioned Doug McDaniel. He's their speedy point guard, averaging 19 points per game, six assists per game. He was everywhere against Youngstown State. But at 5'11, 175, he's up against bigger guards at St. John's. You know, Danis, Jordan Dingle. Not only are they got four or five inches of height on him, as well as Simeon Wilcher and uh, Cruz Davis, but they also have a decent amount of weight on him. How do you? try and take advantage of the difference in size and weight potentially versus his speed and how he can open up Michigan's offense as well. Where's the balance there? And is that something that you guys focus on uh, as a teaching pointer at getting ready for the game? We'd like to be physical without fouling. 
right? And, and that's hard. Like you've got to have him feel your presence. You know, you can't give him a lot of space in the open floor. He's too quick. And he can shoot over a hand, which makes him dangerous. You know, you mentioned his size. You would think maybe you could take that away, but he's got a quick release off the dribble. He'll shoot it from deep and he can shoot over a hand. So um, again, it will be a team effort, right? He's got to see, you know, if Danis is going to get up in him and, and try and steer him a certain direction, you know, he's got to see, uh, you know, St. John's jerseys in the gaps, right? Where he thinks, okay, if I go that way, there's help there, right? And and you've got to be loud. He's got, you know, uh, the guy guarding the ball has to hear his teammates behind him, know there's help there. Um, you know, he can pressure the ball without fouling. If he knows if, if McDaniel gets a half step on him, there's going to be somebody there, uh, you know, to step in and help. And again, it's active hands. I mean, that's a, a signature of our defense, Right. We've got to create some deflections. You know, you can erase a lot of mistakes with just a little bit of effort if you can get your hand on the ball. Uh, but McDaniel is a challenge. He's lightning quick. He shoots it well. He sets up, sets up his teammates uh, and our guards are going to have their hands full with him. Some other names for St. John's fans to keep in mind. Will Cheddar went eight of eight from the floor against Youngstown State had 20 points. Terrence Williams is six, seven forward. Taris Reed is six, ten. Namari Burnett a 6'4 transfer from Alabama. And Johnny's fans will certainly remember Trey Jackson from Seton Hall. They're a big team, as Coach Walsh did mention. We'll wrap it up here in a second. Coach, you know, we're not supposed to look ahead, but you did mention that Charleston is on the horizon, and that does present quite the challenge for St. John's. Not only is it a lot of basketball to play in a short period of time, but for you in regards to the scout and the rest of the team, uh, I think that that presents an interesting uh, and, and a lot of work, especially when all eyes are on Michigan. But, you know, Doug Davenport, uh, who's on staff with Coach Patino in Louisville, has talked about where Coach Patino would at one or two in the morning want to go over scout film of Kentucky, which was a game that they had a week later. You know, after Michigan, St. John's is flying probably within a day or two to Charleston, and they're going up against North Texas next Thursday. And then it's going to be either Dayton and LSU and one of Houston, Taos, and Utah, or Wake Forest. Given the unknown of who you're going to play besides the three teams right now, how do you go about scouting a situation like that in a tournament where you just don't know, besides North Texas, who you're really going to be playing? The first thing we do is we break it up. Like Coach Massiello has Michigan, uh, Ricky Johns has North Texas, so we know we're going to play. We're going to play them. And that's the main scout, right? That'll be the the offense uh, and the personnel. And then, you know, like I'll have uh, North Texas's special teams, right? So I'm taking a peek ahead so that on Tuesday, you know, after the Michigan game, we're ready with their press attack and their special teams, their baseline out, that kind of stuff. Uh, you know, somebody else will have their defense. Then, you know, Van Macon and Talik, uh, we'll each take one of the teams, you know, Dayton or LSU. So Talik has Dayton, Van has LSU for the main scout, right? Um, they won't know who we're going to play until, uh, you know, after Thursday night, right? After right. we play and after they play. Now, obviously, one of those teams we won't play. Um, you know, then Maz and I will take the other bracket, right? So we'll be there Thursday night watching four teams play, not knowing who we may play, you know, that Sunday, uh, but knowing we're going to play one of them, you know, after that first day, two of those teams will be eliminated because we'll be on the other side of the bracket. Uh, but our video guys, our GAs are putting together film, um, 
you know, they have already with regards to all the teams in the tournament. We'll go down there with a base for each team. Uh, and then uh, it is it is some long nights when you're playing like this. You know, we'll, we'll get down Tuesday. We have practice, you know, Wednesday morning down there in the arena at nine. Uh, and then we'll get organized uh, Wednesday afternoon with kind of the secondary scouts for, for Dayton and LSU. And we'll find out Thursday who we play. Uh, so it is a lot. Uh, we don't really look ahead much. Um, you know, the focus with the players right now is on Michigan. But as a staff, you have to be prepared. As soon as the Michigan game is over, coach is going to be asking about North Texas. You know, how do they play? How are we going to beat them? What defenses do they play? What's their press attack? So we've got to be sharp. We've got to be ready. Coach Bob Walsh, we're going to leave it with this. What are some of the keys to the game on Monday if St. John's wants to walk out of Madison Square Garden with a win over Michigan? I think our big guys have to stay out of foul trouble, and that's not just on them. You know, that's on on everybody. Like I said, our defense uh, has to be good enough where our pressure is good enough. The bigs aren't getting in great position. Um, they have an ability to, uh, you know, get the ball close to the basket, and we, we need Joel and Chris to stay out of foul trouble. Uh, we've got to take the three away. You know, this is a team that's made, you know, 40% of their threes in, in the first couple of games. And obviously always an emphasis for us to win the three point line. Uh, and then I think it's going to be the glass, you know, it's, it's, it's gotta be an incredibly physical game for us with, you know, six, seven, you know, two twenty five at the three and, and guys that are, you know, six, nine, two forty coming off the bench as backups. They are a big physical team. So I think, um, you know, if we can stay out of foul trouble, we can win the battle on the glass and we can take away the three. Uh, we'll have a chance to, to get a W. There you have it. Assistant coach Bob Walsh joining us here, the eye of the storm podcast. He'll be with us all season previewing and reviewing this Johnny's team and what's going on coach. Thank you so much. Best of luck against Michigan. We'll see you in Charleston. Thank you, Johnny nation. We'll see you next time. Appreciate it, Dave. My pleasure. You've been listening to the Eye on the Storm podcast. Go Johnnies!